got me. All right, there we go. Well, hi, everybody. Everybody still happy? Yeah, it's hot outside. Finally stopped raining. Now it's like 100 degrees. I don't know. What, what do you want here? Welcome to our family of faith. T turn to your neighbor, somebody around you, say, I'm glad you're in my family. Tell them that. Now, that, that's like uh, welcome to our family of faith where everyone has a place and a purpose. That's, that's like a tagline for our church. You know, welcome to our family. We're not trying to use that to sucker you into our, our church, you know, and then treat you indifferently. But we strive to be a family of faith. And just like any family, we got ups and downs and bumps and bruises sometimes, but we strive to be a family of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, as Ashley mentioned, it is youth camp starting tomorrow night, and uh, the youth and children of our church should be on your mind consistently, not just when they show up out here for Messy Sunday. Amen. It is our job to pass along our faith to the generation behind us. It's our job. And a part of that is that we should be in prayer for our youth and our children. There should be a consistent part of the thought process and the heart process of your prayer life, okay? So, so in, in your prayer time, and I'm assuming that you have one each day, amen. Um, remember them this weekend. First off, remember safety. As, as I was youth pastor for a long time, the first goal we always had is everybody came back the same way they left, okay? That safety is always the thing. That's what the parents want. But I could sit here... Uh, Pump's been going on for about, I think, 20 years now, and that's a long-running camp. So about 20 years of camp, I could tell you countless, countless, count I could sit here and reminisce for, for hours about the incredible things that God has done at camp. So you pray for their safety, but you just pray that God shows up, and as I think Ashley said, that he will do what only he can do, and we believe that, that lives are going to be changed this weekend. So got the word tomorrow night. I got it Friday. Tim's bringing it home Saturday, so it, it's going to be a good weekend, so pray for us. It's going to be good. And I just want to highlight um, one of the announcements about church in the community in Sydney on the 27th. Um, our, our values, we live by faith. And I'm, I'm going to talk about an aspect of that tonight. We value relationships. By the way, the marriage class is back Sunday, um, and, and their series now is, is uh, becoming one. We value relationships. That's 9 a.m. in the loft. And we are rescuers, yeah. right? We, we take yeah. the gospel. We go out. As a church, we just don't want to be come see. Yeah. Right. We want to go give. And if they come see, great. But we have to go put feet in the community. That, that's what that Saturday is about. As a staff, since I think since November, as a staff, we've put out, we've been to almost 3,000 doorsteps in Wapak as a staff. We've decided we're going to take the initiative to set the tone ourselves. Now, we've been out hitting the pavement. We're going to invite you along. Now, we know there's lots of you that you're, you're rescuers in the community. You're sharing the gospel. You're, you're helping people. You're doing that. But we as a whole want to be a church that we're rescuers. So that's what this kind of stuff's about. Dave takes the clothing trail a lot. Of, uh, Wayne's got teams uh, at the farmer's market all the time. There, there are teams in, in Lima and Wapak street witnessing every single week. We, we got people out there and simply the, the stuff you're doing personally that we don't know about. Let's keep, we want to do this as a church. Let, let's go give 
not just hope they come see. That's what that kind of stuff's about. So it's a value that we have to church. But anyways, um, let's jump into the word tonight. We're going to end up in Philippians. You can turn there. I'm going to do a couple, two, three verses before that. But we're going to end up in Philippians. Um, by the way, the fast tomorrow, mentioned that, right? How many of y'all join in the fast tomorrow? If you haven't started yet, uh, let, let's do so. We believe, again, the presence of God to show up like never before. I'm looking forward to our time together Sunday as a result of that. Uh, we're going to uh, end up in Philippians chapter 3 tonight. The central themes of Scripture should always guide us. And, and you, you, can, you can come down in the Bible from, from start to finish and find central themes that weave through the narrative of Scripture and they hold Scripture together. Okay, And these, these themes should always guide us. In other words, uh, if we are teaching things that we can't come back to these central themes in a couple steps and we're too far away from the central themes, we probably shouldn't be teaching them so much. As a matter of fact, if, if, if you could sit down and identify what we would consider central themes, um, if we're in a place where we're teaching so many things so much that we're not ever teaching the central themes, we'll end up building our house on the wrong foundation. So when we come to central themes of Scripture, the foundational, uh, what we would say, doctrine of what we believe, these are things that we should want to hear and, and reaffirm if we've been around for a while or learn new if we haven't, because these things are vital. We believe in a simple three-line statement. It is, it is a three-line statement, three-sentence statement that brings together one of the, if not the main theme of Scripture. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. For I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. These are the things that Paul says, I'm bringing these first to you because these are of utmost importance. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And as we find the revelation of these things is recorded in the New Testament, they shed light backwards on the themes of the Old Testament. This is one of the themes that runs through Scripture, one of the themes that holds our faith together. Christ has died, he has risen, and he will come again. We affirm this, Matthew chapter 26, let me just read these to you, verses uh, 5 and 6. This is the resurrection. And the angel answered and said unto the women, the one that came to the tomb first, fear not, fear you not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified, for he is not here, he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord hath lay. So scripture affirms that not only was Christ crucified, but he is risen. As a matter of fact, his resurrection is essential to our faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 14 says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
For if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also in vain. Amen. The resurrection of the dead is a central theme to our faith. Amen. And if there is no resurrection from the dead, then our preaching and our faith is in vain. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, at best he's a prophet in the likes of Moses and so forth. Elijah. At worst, he was just a nice guy who said some nice stuff. But central to our belief in Jesus Christ is the fact that not only was he crucified, but then he's not there anymore. That's why the empty cross is, is a symbol of our faith. That he has rose from the dead. This we believe. Amen. How many believe? This we believe. Amen. So I want to talk to you tonight about hope. Hope is simply something we would like to see happen. It's something we desire. I hope for something. I hope for a certain outcome. I really would like this to happen. I put my hope in maybe it'll happen. Now, that, that is an outside scripture kind of look at hope. When we start talking about hope, our hope has to be centered on the right things. That's very important. Yep. Because if we put our hope in the wrong things, we will ultimately end up disappointed because the things of this world always fall short. Amen. So, Christ died, he rose, he will come again. He is the first fruit of what? Us. What is to become? Do you, you understand this? And This is something that we don't necessarily talk about a lot. Do you realize that disembodied spirit and soul in heaven is not the end of all things? You know that. But the end of all things, we will be resurrected and there will be a new heaven and new earth. Amen. That, that is what we're headed towards. Our goal is not heaven at the end. Amen. Know that. You know, we, we teach that a lot. And Pastor was actually making mention of this Sunday when he was talking about the formulation of sinner's prayers. That, that we, we lead people in sinner's prayers. And they're all fine and dandy, but they don't encapsulate really what Scripture's trying to get at a lot of times. So we believe in the resurrection. These things are mysteries, by the way. I don't necessarily understand how this is going to happen. We, we can, you can jump into 1 Corinthians 15 and go down through and, and see how Paul describes this event. Um, but, but the mysteries of God that we lend our faith towards. Our faith, see, a lot of times the things that we believe are not necessarily ultimately explanations, but they're more confessions. I believe in the resurrection, but I can't necessarily explain what it's all about and how it's going to happen and exactly what it's going to look like. Right. I believe in heaven, but I can't tell you everything about it and explain it in its entirety. I believe there will be a new heaven and earth, but I can't explain exactly how it's going to be and exactly how it's going to work. Right. We confess a lot more than we can explain. That's what faith is about. Faith is not just about apprehending things, and it is, but faith is a life towards things that I just hope and put my hope in that they will be. You see? So Christ has died. <coughs> Excuse me. Christ is risen. 
Christ will come again. As a matter of fact, after Pentecost, when Peter goes out, remember, the crowd gathers. They think the guys are drunk. He dresses the crowd. The central theme of what he talked about is what? The resurrection of Jesus. It is the foundation for our preaching. Because, again, as Paul wrote, without the resurrection, our preaching is in vain. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. <coughs> Excuse me. Philippians chapter 3, and let's go to, um, <clears throat> oh boy, I'm, I'm going to start in verse 10. Actually, I'll take that back. Let's back up just a hair. Verse 8. Paul writes to the church in Philippi. I always felt a special connection to this book. My middle name is Philip. For some reason, I was always drawn to this book, but that means nothing. But anyways, verse, verse 8 of Philippians 3. <clears throat> Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but which is through, faith of, through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith." Paul is basically saying this. In all the things that I thought I had and all the things I thought I achieved in the law and the things I achieved in my life, they're, it's rubbish. <clears throat> I would much, much more have what he's going to talk about. I want to know Christ is what he leads into next. And, and it's sort of an extreme thing to say everything's rubbish, but he's making a point. I mean, there are things that, that we can have in life that you wouldn't necessarily consider rubbish, but in the ultimate scheme of eternity, they don't mean a whole lot, right? And if we don't see our life and, and, and our achievements and the things we're trying to achieve and, and, and all the different ways that we, we kind of look at our life and segment our life and, and try to do certain things and with relationships or our jobs or whatever it is, if we don't put proper perspective on those things, they begin to cloud the vision of what things should be really all about. And Paul at some point was able to push, push that aside and say, you know what, ultimately all this stuff that I thought was this big deal, <clears throat> it's pile of rubbish. Compared to what he's about to say, that I want to know Christ. To know Christ. And that word know, and, and Paul, Paul addresses this at our places, it's not about a knowledge that puffs you up. But it's more about a knowledge that, that is an experiential knowledge. See, we are to be sacramental people. We are to be partakers. When we talk about communion, it's a sacrament, we partake of communion. That is the life of Christ. We partake of his life, especially as Pentecostal-rooted people. We like, we like experience, right? But that is the life of Jesus, is to experience life with him. It's not to be something you just know. I mean, it's not just about understanding doctrine or theology or know these certain things about God or know certain passages of Scripture. But what Scripture testifies to is alive and real in our lives. So Paul goes to say, I want to know that I may know him. Know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings 
to be made commendable unto his death, by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and somehow to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, we don't, we're going to talk about that in a minute. We don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And he goes on to say, but somehow that may attain the resurrection of the dead. See, we want to know Christ mostly in our current situation. If, if, you, if your body needs healed, I want to know Christ as healer. If you're, if you're lacking finances, I want to know Christ as provider. If life is crazy and, and it's just going nuts, I want to know Jesus as my peace. We, we want to know him right here and right now in our circumstances. And he, and he does. He is. Amen. Amen. See, there's a certain aspect that I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That, that power is alive and working in our lives right here and right now. We can experience it. Right? Now, now, exactly what that means to live in the power of God, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other set of messages. But just understand that the power of God is alive and well and available in you to be used by you. I don't want to say used in, 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 a, in a negative way, but to be lived in. Let's put it that way. It's a better way. To be lived in. That he will be only who he can be in your life because he is the only one that has that power. So I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. But, but there's a bigger thing going on here. That, that is the, the very here and very now understanding of it. But there's a bigger picture happening here. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. And he, in just a couple sentences later, and to attain the resurrection of the dead. That is our hope. Our hope in this life is to attain the resurrection of the dead. Amen. That is our great hope. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So Paul is kind of doing a dual thing here. I want to know, I want to experience Christ in his power, in the very right here and right now aspects of my life, and we do that. But I, but I don't want to miss what's going on big picture. I want to know Christ in the big picture with the power of the actual resurrection that is coming someday. Amen. And, and often we like to put our hope in the very right here and right now things. Certain outcomes of life. Doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we lose hope because we expect something to happen a certain way and life doesn't happen that certain way or an imperfect world touches us very perfect personally and we lose hope. Let me give you an example. And we don't like to talk about these kind of examples. I understand that, but they're very real examples. My mother-in-law passed away of breast cancer 15 years ago. I don't know, something like that. Our daughter's name is Hope. We named her Hope in light of our mother-in-law's struggle. 
okay? Believing and praying up to, up to the last moment that she was cognitive and could understand that the miracle work was going to happen. It did not, in our understanding. You see? I got no answers for you. I wish I had the answers. I, I wish there was just a simple checklist or, or, or formula or we just missed this box or and if we just did this instead, then... I got nothing on that. If we'd have put our hope in a certain outcome of this life, our hope could have been shattered. See? It does not mean we don't strive for things. It does not mean we don't chase after things. But our hope is not ultimately in the outcomes of the here and now, our hope, our great hope, is in the resurrection and the new heaven and new earth because he will finish the work that he started on Easter Sunday. Amen. This, see, we see so many people fall away from the faith because certain outcomes of life are not happening the way they want. You see? see, Paul, again, it's the here and now, the hope of the here and now, but the bigger picture is the hope of the power of the resurrection that we are striving to attain. Then he throws this little thing right in the middle there. Let's reread that. Verse 10, to know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. We like to avoid this talk about suffering. Or we like to say, well, Christ suffered, therefore there is no suffering afterwards. We'll tell that to Paul. He, he goes down through the things that he has suffered for the sake of Christ. But ultimately behind that, the suffering that we, is, is being like him in his death, that we do this whole thing that Jesus said that to die is to live. We must deny ourselves. We pick up our cross daily and follow him. For whoever wants to gain life, you lose your life. For whoever loses our life for his sake will find life. So there is a real aspect of possible suffering, which Paul himself went through in persecution. And we all could somehow, someway experience that, right? That's not out of the question. But ultimately, we all must face this thing of myself dying. Because if I want to attain the resurrection of the dead, there has to be a death before there is a resurrection. And we think about that physically. Obviously, I must physically die. Of course, the bodies will be changed. Those who are alive at the return of Christ will be transfigured, right? But for most of us, for a lot of us, for those who have gone before us, our body dies. It's in the grave. We're at present with the Lord. We're awaiting that time. Amen? Sure. But there's something happening in here that, that is like it. This is, this is the death of ourself. He becoming greater, me becoming less. And when we have the processes in our life of following Jesus, 
And, and there, there's a simplicity of the gospel that we respond to. But once you step into the simplicity of the gospel, then it opens the door of the floodgates to the depths of the gospel. You see? And when we start following Jesus into the depths of who he is, we start to realize some stuff about ourselves. We should. That there has got to be this, this consistent dying and being raised to life right now, right here. Because we are to be something other. He has made us this new creation. He, he has made that regeneration. He's done the miracle. Now we've got to live this thing out. And this is the cost of following Jesus. When he said, pick up your cross and follow me, that is the everyday dying to yourself. To follow him. And Paul compacts these things together. He says, I want to know Christ, experience Christ in the power of his resurrection, the, the here and now stuff. But understanding part of that is I've got to die to myself. It's not, it's not all, you know, nice roses and, and, and dandelions and uh, daffodils and daisies, whatever you call them. I'm not a flower guy. But anyways, it's not just all that stuff. There are some things about me. I've got to follow this thing called death all the way down to the deepest, darkest corners of my life. Right? The Holy Spirit will take you there. It's part of this deal. This is the cost. This, this is the opposite of cheap grace. This is going all the way with him. See, for all the sins, yes, I want the power of God. Well, guess what? Accompanied with that, to know that power, to experience that power in your life is the death of yourself. The sufferings, as Paul put it, of this right here. So I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, sharing the fellowship of his sufferings, and to then... So, in other translations, to somehow attain the resurrection of the dead. It's not Paul calling the question that he believes that he will be resurrected. Surely he, he, he's sure of that. But he put it in such a way that, listen, there are things to be done. There are things to do. This is not just, hey, I prayed to prayer. I'm just going to hang out until Jesus comes back. There is a life that if you really really want to know in an experienced way of what God will want to do in your life, what he longs to do in your life, it's not just sitting around. Well, what does he desire? He desires the fullness of life to come out of you. Isn't that right? The fullness of life. But the fullness of life can't come until there are things that are dying and going away so life can replace it. So I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection in that way now. So where my great hope is to attain the resurrection of the dead. Amen. Flip my notes. The attaining of the resurrection of the dead, it is the ultimate of our faith and our life of faith. You know that. It's the ultimate. It is the thing that we ultimately strive for. 
See, see when, when the Bible, when the Bible says a lot of things like don't store up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal but store up for your treasures in heaven where those things don't happen. It is pushing us towards striving towards the things that are to come. Right? When, when, when Jesus also said, look, your, your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, all the stuff you get here. He is pushing us towards the things that are to come. See, the, the great work of the reclamation of his creation is already happening. But there will be a finality to it when he returns. And in the processes of making all things new, how all that stuff plays out in the end, however it happens, that this is where our reward is. This is what we strive towards. This is where we place our hope. So when my mother-in-law passed away, we were able at some point to reorient ourselves and say, but yeah, you know what? All things are going to be made new. This is going to be made right. And although we had hope, and our hope didn't plan out the way we wanted. And it was frustrating. And there was some, you know, okay, to be honest. We, but you know what? I couldn't promise that that was going to be all right. But it's going to be all right. And this is where my hope is. For that, that wasn't the last line of the last chapter of the book. It was just the last line of what we thought, but the, the whole story is still in front of us. Amen. For this is where we place our hope. For my mother-in-law, Debbie, she's present with the Lord. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and she would probably say it's better this way anyhow, Amen. as Paul said, right? Amen. But see, there's going to be a great moment. There's going to be a great moment. You, you, almost, you almost want to, you know, like a rapture practice. You just, just got to get ready to go. You know what I'm saying? There, there's going to be a great moment where things are going to be made right. But we don't, we don't like to talk about that because that means we have to endure some suffering until it happens. Because the imperfect world touches us personally sometimes. Too, again, too many people fall away from the faith because they put their hope ultimately in the wrong thing. That's why these foundations are important. Right? So for all the great things that can be in this life, in all the great ways God can do things in this life, what is beyond that is the resurrection of the dead and our eternal dwelling with God, New heaven, new earth, as Revelation 21, 5 says, he, he is going to make all things new. I am making all things new. We strive in bringing the kingdom, the will of God on earth as it is in heaven right now. We strive. This is our great task as we await his return. Isn't that right? Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. 
This is our great task while we await his return. This is the business we are to be about. Amen? And while we're doing this business of the kingdom, this is our participation in him making all things new. All the stuff we're doing now is just pointing towards what is to come. You know that. We're participating in the finality of what is to come. That is why, that is why the gospel message is, hey, I just want to get saved and just eject me out of here because I just want to get out of this messed up world. No. I come to know Christ, and my job is to bring the authority in the, of heaven and the will of God that is in heaven here. Not me get out of here, but me bring that here. You understand? We've got to switch our thinking. I just want to get out of here. No, no, no. You want to bring him here. I, I just want to get away from this mess. No, you want to bring the kingdom here. You know, I'm, I'm just tired of this. I just want Jesus to take me away. Oh, that's fine. But, but until he comes back, your job is to bring his will, the authority of him here. That is our participation. That's why we're to be rescuers. We participate in what he's already doing because it points us towards what is to come. See, when Peter writes, always prepare it in season and out of season to give a reason for the hope that you have. What is the hope that you have? What's coming? And I'm always be ready with the reason. Hope, when you have hope for something, it's not something you've attained yet. It's something we're longing for, looking for. So Peter says, look, be ready to give to anyone who asks the reason for the hope, what is coming, the hope that you have. We're to play a part in this. We are part of God's reclaiming his lost creation. Amen. Titus chapter 2. Verse 13. I'm going to close up here. Titus 2.13. Paul again writing. Just jumping kind of mid-thought here. But it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Read that again. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what we're looking for. The blessed hope. I strive with perseverance. I wait in patience. I'm looking for the reason that I am here to be involved in the great work of the kingdom of God. And all the while, while I'm doing these things, I'm looking for that great blessed hope and that is the return of God and our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 15, let me just read one more and we'll close up. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 
you know, there's a lot here about the resurrection of the dead, but 1 Corinthians 15, let's look at verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. For there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Jump down to verse 54. So when this, incorrupt, when this corruptible shall put on the incorruption, and this mortal shall put on its immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is, the vic where is your victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is law. But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is our hope. That is our hope. When you have the hope of the resurrection, it puts all else in proper perspective in the way it should be. It causes you to go with the highs and the lows of life with peace and assurance in your heart that it's going to be all right. When you find yourself mourning at something wrong in this world, it is the morning that points to, but Jesus is going to make this right. It leaves you with the assurance that God is with you, he is for you, and he is ultimately working for your good. Amen. For this we find our hope. Got to come back to these things. And always remind yourself about these things. That these are the foundations from which we build our house. Amen. Again, Christ has died. He has risen. He will come again, and he will make all things new. I'm glad I get to be in on what he's doing. I'm glad he's been doing it with me in here. Thank goodness. But I'm also, also glad that I get to participate in this work that he's about. Amen. See, in a certain way, we're already living a resurrected life. You know that. New creation. We're living this out now. And it further makes us long towards what is to come. But you think about, how many of you had some some valleys in your life where just psh, it just felt like you hit the bottom and it, it just you just it's just it just wasn't good can you imagine the joy that you're going to experience when all things are made right in light of the suffering of your life can you imagine the joy? I mean, those, those things, they, they carved out deep within you a greater capacity for that joy that's to come. You know that. And for all the frustrations and for all the things that didn't work out and for all the things that made you mad and for all the, the, the mother-in-law passing away, for all that stuff, there is 
gonna be a victory. Amen. And that is our hope. Amen. We look forward to it. But while we're looking forward, let's get to the work of today. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you didn't push away this messed up creation, but you got right in the middle of it. And you're all about saving it. We thank you for the work of the cross, and we thank you for your resurrection, the first fruit of what we will experience for those that are found in you. But Father, I pray for those of us that, that you've experienced. Man, life just hits you hard. And you don't know why, you don't have answers, you've got frustrations. I pray, Lord, that those kind of people that are here tonight, this is a reminder to them that this is not over. That they find hope in you again. They will pick their head back up and keep on striving because, Lord, the scripture Paul goes on to right now, I press on. I press on to achieve the prize, the heaven call, or the heaven call that's in Christ Jesus. I press on. So we will press on. We will press on. So we thank you, Lord, for your work. We thank you, Lord, for what is to come. We just praise you tonight, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Just, just say just a moment of thanksgiving for the work of Christ in your life. Just a moment of thanks for what he's done for you. I encourage you to give over your frustrations to him. I, I encourage you to give over your hurts to him. I encourage you to give over your frustration to him, your confusion. And let him bring the peace that passes all understanding to your life. Lord, do that work that only you can do. We thank you, Lord, for that. 